Unreal. Uncensored. Unradio. Cliffcentral.com. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Health Hour. I'm Dr. Jonathan Witts. Every Wednesday afternoon from 1 until 2 p.m. Discussing all kinds of health topics. And of course, as always, taking your calls if you've got anything to ask me. And I'll do my best to answer them. Uh, you can call us at any time, 0861-555-189. Catch us on Twitter, cliffcentral.com. And obviously, uh, message directly into the show, WeChat, the ID being Cliff Central. Uh, I apologize for my voice today. I uh, just got a bit of the man flu, so uh, I think I deserve some credit for being here. But uh, other than that, uh, if you can tolerate my voice, we've got a great show lined up. First, the health news with Catherine uh, from The Times. And then uh, after that, we're going to be discussing... Aesthetic medicine, so Botox fillers and all the stuff like that, um, and I'll introduce our guest a bit later. First up, Catherine, a child from the Times. Catherine, how are you today? Great, yourself? I've been better. Something's eating my larynx. Oh, so you can't speak very well. No, and uh, it doesn't make for good talk radio, but uh, we'll do our best. Just play lots of music. <laughs> yeah, so far already. Yeah, so uh, what's what's happening in the, in the world? Well, um, there's been a big conference in Melbourne um, the last the weekend um, up until today, and there were 20,000 people going. So it was a sort of dominated headlines. First of all, because one of the big HIV researchers was killed in that plane crash. Yeah, that's um, very sad news, obviously. Yeah, he, I mean, uh, quite a contributor to uh, the body of AIDS research. I like what he said. He said in early 2000s, why are you saying we can't get antiretrovirals to Africa? There's nowhere in Africa where you can't get a cold beer or a cold Coca-Cola. So, <laughs> so he was a, he was a pragmatist. He was a pragmatist. That's right. We can't get ARVs anyway. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that was really sad. But there's been some exciting news coming out of the conference. And yeah. People always save it, save their news for conferences. They found... So one of the problems with HIV and is that it hides away in the body... Um, and so your ARVs make it sort of dormant, but it's still there. And so for a long time, researchers have been trying to flush it out of its hiding place. Yeah. And they tried an, an old cancer drug, and they put the cancer drug only on six patients, so it's very small research, okay, and they were so able to... Yeah. Very preliminary research, but they were able to get the virus out of the cells in which it hides. And people are really excited about that because they hope in future if you can get the virus out of a hiding place you can attack it okay that's about as simple as i can make it no 100 percent. i mean it's a fair point it is uh, dormant and we actually saw an article recently of uh, a kid in uh, or, or a, a person in uh, the the u.s where they thought they had eradicated uh, the hiv and then it obviously came back because uh, we know it lays dormant in in so many cells the brain actually is one of the main places it hides yeah, and they were really sad about that baby. I was chatting to um, mm. Francois Bosanosi about it. She was one of the women who discovered the HIV virus and what it was. Yeah. And she just said, we don't have the tests. So they thought it was gone in the baby, and the tests are just not strong enough to find that it's still hiding. So we actually need better tests so that we can figure out if it's still there, uh, which it was in the case of the baby, and after 27 months it came back. Sure. Um, it was always there. Now they, they're trying to flush it out, but they've still got to learn how to kill it once they've flushed it out. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, at least we're getting somewhere. That's what they're saying. They're saying this is really good news, but I think it's always us journalists want like a cure and we want an answer today. We've always got to remember... doesn't make front page headlines unless you've got (laughs) researchers find cure for HIV. Tomorrow. We want the cure tomorrow. I was asked yesterday, does this mean we have a cure, Catherine? I was like, no, um, no probably prob- 15 years' time, they'll have a new treatment. Yeah. So it's all slow progress. Absolutely. And, of course, uh, you know, since we are a health show, best cure is to not get HIV if you can and try avoid it by all the protection methods. Yeah, I don't think that's always that easy. Do you think people always want to wear condoms? No, I don't, I don't think it's easy, especially for our female population, to, get, to convince their men to always wear condoms. But yeah, uh, certainly... Uh, Certainly, if you can, uh, the best thing to do is first not to get HIV, and then obviously if you've got it, to uh, to get treatment early, which which well, actually brings us to the health minister's announced changes, hasn't he? Yeah, so the health minister this morning in Parliament announced that from next year, 
people in South Africa, if you've got a CD4 count of 500, so they're HIV positive, they're still pretty healthy, yeah. will be getting ARVs. Which is, which is excellent news, actually, because it you know, be- news. below 500, you, you end up getting a whole bunch of, in fact, not, not really even below 500, below about 300, you end up getting a whole bunch of diseases that you normally wouldn't get because your immune system would just fight them off. So uh, you're going to be strengthening people's immune systems earlier. And it's supposed to, what I've read and heard is the earlier you start, I mean, this is what the World Health Organization says, the longer you're supposed to live because less yeah. of the virus gets into all these hiding places. Well, well, the Americans, I mean, they, they uh, you know, they've got lots of resources. So they originally went up to this 500 and now they've actually gone to the point where once you diagnose with HIV, regardless of CD4 count, they start you on ALVs. Yeah, because you're going to live longer. But it's not, I mean, it's better. We're talking about not getting HIV. It makes you less mm. infectious once you're on treatment. So I think that's the big thing the minister's also thinking of. Yeah. The more people we get on treatment, the less the virus is going to spread, even Absolutely. if they don't feel like wearing a condom. Absolutely. And then you stop new infections, and, and, and long term, that means you stop the virus. It does, but then I'm a cynic. And like, if you <laughs> can't even get people on with CD4 counts of 350, that's our guideline now. So they're not too sick yet, but they're not healthy. We're trying to get them on. If we can't even get them on, how are we going to get people with a CD4 count of 500 even healthier on? I've got, like, I've got an answer for you if you really want it. The answer is yes. to make HIV a notifiable disease. Uh, so that everyone has to take treatment. So that we know every single person who has it, not so that we can make it a stigmatized thing, but so that we can treat them earlier. And the truth is we can prevent them from infecting others and educate them. But, yeah, that's uh, not going to happen. No, no, of course. Like uh, it's one. been proposed for the last 15 years in Parliament, and it keeps getting shut down. But uh, why? It, it would be it would be the best way to deal with it. Well, I don't know why. I mean, TB is a notifiable disease. Food poisoning in, in numbers greater than two is a notifiable disease. Measles is a notifiable disease. But HIV, our biggest problem uh, that we faced in health forever, uh, isn't. So uh, it's it's just it's just completely illogical. But it does come back. Uh, the argument always comes back down to they don't want to stigmatize it um, and that they feel that if people are being told they're uh, HIV positive and then the government is being informed, then somehow that uh, will prejudice them. I think they've got a fair point. I mean, people don't disclose their TB status because they're worried about losing their job. Yeah. So we have this whole thing that middle class people don't have TB because you never hear about it. But that's not true. <laughs> yeah, it's not true at all. But everyone just keeps it secret. Not true at all. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know they'll get stigmatized if we find out. Yeah, absolutely. And on the on the TV side, I mean, it on seems the like TV there's a news story every week. The T, I mean, T, well, it was because it was this conference. I mean, researchers save up all their cool stories for, for the conference, then they go back into a hole somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So you get everything at once. And um, it was two South African, actually three South African researchers and an American have tried out a new TV drug. In combination with two older ones, and it's, it's showing promise that it could shorten TB treatment from six months to four months. But what's really cool about this drug is that, well, as you know, Big Pharma doesn't really want to invest in TB drugs because they're for poor Africans and the pharma companies are going to make money and it's not a chronic drug. You don't take it for too long. So this drug was developed by the TB Alliance, which is not for profit. So they took it from a pharma company and they're saying, well, they're not going to develop it. Let's do it. So with Bill and Melinda Gates funding, they've gone and developed this drug, wow. and it looks pretty hopeful. Oh, that's excellent. That's uh, I've got to say that foundation actually, uh, much as I hate Windows, uh, that foundation <laughs> has done amazing work uh, for healthcare in Africa. Yeah, don't buy a Mac. They're doing incredible stuff. They fund most <laughs> of the research that's done in this country. There you go. Me. A journalist promoting promoting the PC. There's something you won't hear again today. Um, yeah. <laughs> And then finally, to end off, we got, uh, is there, um, oh no, we've got two more stories. Um, there's uh, this whole story about the department wanting to sort of shut down advertising um, around foods. Yeah, so there's a meeting today here between industry and the department. I think industry is quite worried because there's this new draft law, it must be mentioned it's a draft, where they want to stop all advertising on TV between 6 a.m. and 9 p.m. and radio. Mm-hmm. Maybe not online radio, but. No, they radio, can't touch us. They can't touch us. We're unscripted. Everyone else that they can touch, they want to stop advertising on unhealthy foods. And that could be a food high in sugar, which could be yogurt or breakfast cereal, which is high in sugar. Was this proposition by Tim Noakes? No, this has got nothing to do with Tim Noakes. But I bet you he's very excited. I haven't asked him for his opinion. (laughs) 
All right, so basically... He's not having half-fat food either, according to... So probably cheese and cream. I don't know. He won't be too tough. Basically, they want to make this a a nanny state and uh, make sure that uh, you can't get uh, exposed to anything if they don't want you to be exposed to it. Yeah, no no vending machines at schools that have any kind of branding, and they want the only stuff sold at schools to be milk, water, and 100% fruit juice. You know, it, it, almost, more containers. it almost sounds as if we have no other problems to deal with in South Africa. <laughs> well, we have a lot of obesity, but no, you won't be getting Coke or chips at school or milk in a 500 ml container. It must be 250 mils and unflavored. So, yeah, that's the new draft law. This is, this is it's, it's, it's frankly unbelievable, but it's, it's interesting to note that something like this failed in New York, where they tried to um, basically change the law to forbid the sale of large Cokes that you get like when you go to the movies, um, super-sized sort of things. Uh, they try to ban it, and it's actually fallen flat. Uh, it's recently. only fallen flat because they lost the lawsuit because they didn't do it properly. Yeah, um, I, I'm not big on like telling people what they should eat and drink. Like, I think they should be informed about what's good and bad for them. But, uh, you know, forcing them into things, uh, I'm, I'm quite a fan of free society. But then we want free healthcare once you've made ourselves sick. I mean, and no, 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 I'm not a fan of free healthcare. Health. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> New York's one of the healthiest places in America because they've had so many of these public health laws. Okay, they failed on the coke, but they didn't fail on everything else, and it's worked to make them healthy. Yeah. They say uh, ten years. They say you you call it a nanny state, and ten years later you think it's a good public health decision. Yeah, you know this is the problem. Australians have the same brainwashing. They will also tell you that it's a lovely place, um, but you can't actually do anything. But Australia. it is a lovely place. Yes, Australia. Yeah, you can't drive too fast. No, you well, you, you can't, can't really do anything. You can't walk into the street if you're not meant to. You you really can't do anything. But they think it's a lovely place. But they sell cigarettes in plain packaging. That was also another one of these nanny state things. And it's said to have decreased the smoking. Yeah. So maybe it works. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I still think uh, people are addicted to nicotine, not advertising. So, uh, you know, and, and, and in some way, I don't want to get too much on the sugar, but in some way people do have uh, cravings for sugar. And, and uh, once again, I don't think because a Coke is unbranded, people aren't going to drink it. Anyway. Uh, you, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. I cut you off. You no, my last point was if advertising didn't work, they wouldn't use it. So yeah. come on. Yeah, yeah, all right, fair enough. Um, and lastly, uh, what if what we've got some? We got we got a fun sex story. What, what's this, what's happening? Well, apparently, there? you men in South Africa are not having enough sex. Me, um, me. I, yeah, I agree fully, a hundred percent. That is absolutely correct. In fact, I can see yeah, everyone in the, the studio woman. and everyone outside. All the men are, are are saying absolutely they agree with that. My producer, yeah, okay. he's jumping up and down. Yeah, not at all. Um, apparently, they're spending too much time on their smartphone. There was a pharmaceutical company. they actually a company that sells generic Viagra, so I'm not surprised they went into this. Yeah. Asking South African men how often they have sex, and apparently it's half as much as their overseas counterparts. Which is how much exactly? Uh, I just, I, you know, I just want to know. They're having sex once a week. And once a week. Just, <laughs> yeah, only on the weekend when the woman has time. And they're spending too much time on their smartphone and getting addicted to porn. Oh. So, yeah. Good, good. They don't want to have real sex. Well, not good. I mean, you know, well, I, yeah, I don't know about they don't want to have real sex. Um, <laughs> you disagree. Well, I, I would assume that they, they're watching, they're watching the porn and then they're not getting sex. So then they're probably going back and watching the porn. So, ah, blame the woman. No, it's not, I'm not saying it's the woman. I'm not saying it's the woman. They, they, they did say they were on their phones too much. So, so that, that might be a fair excuse. Yeah, well, the sexologist that my colleague, this is a story in the Times, so you can buy it today, but my colleague interviewed a sexologist and she just said men cannot ejaculate because a vagina doesn't help them anymore because they've spent too much time on porn. So. I don't know. I, I, your, your colleague is, is male or female? My colleague's female, and she, but she yeah. spoke to a sex doctor. It wasn't her. It was the doctor who said her patients can't ejaculate anymore because a vagina has no, no um, appeal. I'm a, uh, I don't know who, who her patients are. I'm a big fan of vagina. No problems there. Uh, oh, well, good <laughs> and, for you. And on that note, um, and the too much information, uh, thanks so Sorry. much for all the news. And, cool. Uh, Have a good day. <laughs> we'll catch you next week. <laughs> Great. Bye. Good day. Bye. All right, so thank you. That's uh, Catherine Child, health journalist from the Times. Uh, you can catch her on Twitter at Kat Jane Child. 
And uh, we're going to take a break. And when we're back, my guest, Dr. Anushka Reddy from the South African Association for Cosmetic Doctors. No, I turned wrong, left your heart sore. Is that what devils do? Took you so long, where only fools go. I shook the angel and young. Now I'm rising from the crowd, rising up to you. Feel with all the strength I find, there's nothing I can't do. And we're back on the health hour. Uh, right now, we're going to discuss uh, cosmetics and aesthetic medicine. Uh, my guest on the show today is Dr. Anushka Reddy. Uh, she's the president of the South African Association of Cosmetic Doctors. And uh, she's got a whole bunch of other titles, but I'm going to let her tell us more about that. Uh, Anushka, how are you? Hi, I'm good. And you, Jonathan? All right, thank you. Good, good to chat. Yes, as you can hear, my voice. This is not my normal voice. Don't worry, we'll we'll fight for whose larynx is worse at the moment. Uh, am I on air? You are on air. Yeah. Oh my word! Well, okay. Yeah, you're on air. You're on the web. You're everywhere now. Okay, great stuff. <laughs> so we'll have a, a robust discussion. Yeah. So I hope it's not going to take off from our last Twitter discussion. No. Well, I mean, we'll get to that because I, I do want to talk about all that stuff, and I think it's important because I think. You know, there's people like you promoting the right thing, but I, I think there are people out there who are probably promoting the wrong thing. Sure, um, so, so just tell us from your side, um, you know, what you do and, and where you're coming from. Uh, so I, I'm an aesthetic doctor, uh, which means that I am a GP, mm -hmm. and but my mo main focus, what I do on a daily basis, is aesthetic medicine. So I don't, I'm not involved in any surgery of any sort. Uh, that's 
is done by the surgeons, the yep. reconstructive surgeons. So my focus is mainly Botox, fillers, chemical peels, um, non-invasive procedures to treat veins on the body. Yeah. So, so that's where I'm coming from mainly. Okay. And obviously that's a that's a, a growing industry. I mean, it's 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 large. It's become quite big in terms yes, of in the medical field. Absolutely. You know, as, as we we were discussing the last time, uh, every other dentist and doctor um, has begun offering these procedures. Yeah. Um. You know, as part of their clinic, so um, they continue pl- uh, practicing clinical medicine. You know, as GPs, but then on the side they'll have a little midi spa going where they'll be offering Botox and fillers. Okay, and um, just in terms of uh, regulation, I mean, you you represent a, a lot of these doctors, I'm assuming, as as part of uh, the, the association which you head up. Yes, well, we we try and get most some most of the doctors to join an association of some kind because the association will obviously have certain rules and regulations in place, yeah. which we will expect our members to abide by. Sure. Uh, because as you know, the HPCSA. That's our controlling body. Yeah, our statutory body as doctors, everyone. Yes, doesn't have any uh, formalized rules and doesn't have a foundation for this form of medicine. Absolutely. So, and, and also, I mean, as, as general practitioners, they, they kind of say we can sort of do anything we want, yes. um, provided we feel competent to do it. Yes, of course. Yes. Which, yes. which can be dangerous if you aren't a doctor with a little bit of uh, sort of thought about what could possibly go wrong, I suppose. Absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, that being said, um, I, I mean, I do training and so do some of, uh, you know, my colleagues who offer training. And if you look at the, if you want to call it the dropout rate, yeah, I would say at least 90% of doctors who embark on these courses eventually don't end up, you know, offering these services. Yeah, they don't follow through. They don't follow through. They, they realize that, you know what? It's much more difficult than what they initially thought it was. So they approaching it. Is it is it that they approach it and they think this is a quick money making scheme and and then realize that you know there's there's uh, there's good knowledge behind it and obviously hard work. Yes, yes. That's why I say at least eighty ninety percent. Yeah. Of those you know doctors who do the courses realize that yes you know what there's more than meets the eye when it comes to yeah. doing these procedures. All right, all right. So before we talk about all the nitty gritty. If we, if I'm going to go now and look for someone to do my Botox, do my fillers, uh, peels, whatever it happens to be, uh, you recommend that they be registered with, with you guys, or, or, or how would you approach you know, that? Yes. You know, the, the first thing is that, yes, you know, they, we have causes now, formal causes that are being offered in South Africa uh, that doctors, lots of doctors are actually registering for to sort of call themselves aesthetic practitioners. Okay. Um, that's the first thing. But I think... In South Africa specifically, I think experience is the determining factor yeah. uh, about, you know, who you should go to. The more years the doctor has behind his or her name, you know, uh, that means that they've, they've stood the test of time. Because like I said, it's not an easy field to be successful in. And uh, if they've been doing it for 10 or 15 years, then I can say, you know, even if they don't have a formal qualification in it, then you could safely say that this doctor pretty much knows his stuff. Okay, good. All right, so now that we've got around the sort of regulatory stuff, uh, I mean, let's talk about the, the, the sort of procedures that you can have done. So someone comes to you, uh, you know, let's call them middle-aged. Oh, I won't say what age that is, but uh, they come to you and they feel that they, you know, they're not, they're not happy with their look at the moment. So what's the most common stuff you, you're sort of seeing? I think the cornerstone of any aesthetic practice is, is Botox. Okay. Um, so Botox would be my first port of call, and typically, you know, the patient, um, if you want to go, a middle-aged person, would <laughs> would come in with lines usually between their eyebrows, that very cross look that most people don't like, okay. and lines around their eyes. And those are fairly easy, um, you know, um, con- uh, treatments to offer with just, minimal risk. Just so our listeners understand, because I, I, you know, I'm trying to make this show as informative as possible, and I, I think a lot of people don't. Uh, you know, they, they they understand what Botox sort of does in some way. You, you inject it and it, it makes you look better, but they don't understand what is it and, and, and how does it work? Oh, so Botox has been in around in medicine for at least the last six decades. And it's, it's called, its proper name is botulinum toxin. Mm-hmm. It's derived from the bacterium clostridium. 
Um, and what they've done is, Allegan specifically, they've harvested the back, uh, the uh, toxin and they've purified it or diluted it. Yeah, because, so, I mean, in high doses, that toxin, yes, I mean, your course. baked beans, when they go off, that's yes, uh, usually, that's Botox essentially. But if you eat that, you would, yes. you would die. Yes, botulinism. Definitely. Definitely. So, so what they've done is they've made it safe for medical use. Now, you know, before it was used, before it became uh, sort of the thing to use in aesthetic medicine, it's been used in medicine for many years. It's been used to treat children with cerebral palsy. So any of the muscle dystrophies, yeah. Botox has been the gold standard for treating those conditions. And uh, the history behind how Botox uh, you know, was used in aesthetic medicine is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. It was the, the, the Carruthers out in Canada, a husband and wife team, yeah. one a dermatologist, the other the ophthalmologist, and the ophthalmologist was using it to treat strabismus, you know, people with yeah. squint eyes to correct the squint. And these patients were coming back and, um, you know, mentioning that they, the lines around their eyes looked pretty good. <laughs> and so he took this to his wife, and the rest is history. And, uh, and that was done about 25, 30 odd years ago. And so we have good clinical data yeah. to prove the safety and efficacy of Botox. And, and essentially what it does is, is uh, injected in the right place, which uh, we'll get to, but injected in the right place and correctly, it essentially relaxes the muscle. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so the toxin is it's, it's, uh, presented in a vial. It's vacuum dried and we dilute it with a little bit of saline and it's injected into you know, muscles that you wish to relax. I don't like to use the word paralyzed, but yeah. you know, relaxed. We relax the muscles, Absolutely. and uh, and you know, within a few days after injection, say seven to ten days, you'll notice that the frown slowly disappears. The crow's feet around the eyes looks much better. Yeah. So so and and we're using it for so many other things now. You know, we're using it to treat bruxism. The people who who clench their teeth. Uh, you know, uh, they often have uh, team. They have headaches. Yeah, so because of the because of the muscle yeah. in their jaw. Absolutely. So we use it to relax what we call the masseter muscle. Yeah. And uh, so it's, it's we're finding many other. A lot of uses. I actually, uh, I mean, in colorectal surgery, I know this is completely off. They, they <laughs> but, use but it, certainly yeah. in patients who have uh, who are unable to relax their anal sphincters. Yes. You know? They're injecting it in there as well. Yeah, and in the vagina as well. Vaginismus. Oh, I didn't know it was being yes. used for that. The gynees are using it that for, for that specific condition as well. Wow. Okay. So, so mm. multiple uses. Obviously, uh, a, a big, a big uh, mainstay of of the aesthetic medicine side of things. Yes. Um, okay. So someone comes along. They've got these crow's feet. They've got these sort of frown lines. They want to get rid of them. Um, how does it work? They would come in for a consultation because Botox is a Schedule 4 drug. It should be treated, you know, as a medication. And therefore, before I inject any Botox into any patient, I would take a proper history. I would, you know, um, indicate. You know, make sure that there's no contraindications. Yeah. I would also explain the potential side effects of having Botox injected, so that the patient can make an informed decision if they want to have it done or not. All right. So, so hold on. Before we get to these side effects and and you know potential complications, and and the truth is, any medical treatment, any drug has potential side effects. You know, standard paracetamol to stop your headache can give you side effects. So, sure. so but before we get to that, and, and the discussion we were having on Twitter which was essentially around this whole concept of Botox parties and, and people accessing these drugs, uh, you know, in the way we probably wouldn't prefer them to, not because we want to guarantee a paycheck for ourselves, but uh, because it's probably not that safe um, for it to be done outside of a controlled environment. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, firstly, the again, you know, uh, because it, it's a scheduled drug, controlled by the Medicine Control Council, we as doctors, we need to respect that. So the first thing is that the drug, it cannot be administered outside a doctor's room. So that, that's the first thing. And that's just abiding by the law. Okay. So, so I mean, and I'm sure people know that, that might have, they might know people where that's happened. So, I mean, already that's, that's something that shouldn't, shouldn't have happened. That's kind of illegal, essentially. It's illegal, absolutely. The problem is, unfortunately, our consumer is a bit ignorant. Yeah. Uh, it just sounds very nice to say, I'm going to a Botox party, you know, with <laughs> my friends, and we're going to have some wine. And, and you get, know. It gets uh, injected with Botox. Exactly. You know, it's, it's seen more as a social scene. Now, in the States, that's allowed. You know, they, they, uh, they don't have such strict legislation and rules. So it's yeah. more as a social type of thing, almost like a status 
you know, a symbol to but, say that. But certainly here, I mean, we would frown on that. And, and if a yes. doctor's doing that, I mean, that doctor could, could get into major trouble. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, uh, because, you know, there are, like I said, potential complications. And once the Botox party is over, and if a complication does arise, then, you know, uh, what recourse does the patient have? Absolutely, and where the notes from the doctor and so Absolutely. on and so forth. The, All the of 15 that. people he injected at a party, it's very difficult mm-hmm. to keep track. Very, very difficult, especially if the wine is flowing and, <laughs> you know, people are having it, seeing it more as a party. So, yeah. you know, we, as a society, and, you know, and like I said, it's not our rules. It's, we just, all we are saying is just follow the rules as set down by the HPCSA, you know, uh, and the HPCSA works with the MCC. The MCC is Schedule 4 Drug you wouldn't administer to use a Schedule 4 drug in this circumstances. Please just respect that. Absolutely. All right. So, I mean, and the, the reason why you want to respect that, so in terms of the side effects and the complications, if it's not used correctly, and, and obviously some people will have side effects anyway, a small percentage, I'm sure. But yes. what, what are those? Well, look, thankfully with Botox, nothing is permanent. Uh, you know, I, I always say if something does happen for example, uh, the worst, well, I wouldn't say the worst, one of the things that can happen is if Botox is incorrectly injected in the forehead, mm-hmm. you can actually cause a droopy eyelid. Okay. It can last for three to four months. And that's, you know? that's of paralysis of the facial nerve, essentially? Or, 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 no, no, which, no, no, no. So, so that would cause the muscle, like frontalis, uh, okay. frontalis muscle to, you know, to... Um, to be completely paralyzed, to be, essentially. Paralyzed. There we go, to be paralyzed. And that could actually cause a droop of the, uh, not your lid, but of the brow. Okay. You know, so you have like a sleepy-eyed look. Sure. In other instances, you can have migration of Botox. If Botox is injected, for example, too close to the orbit, you can have a bit of migration into the actual orbit. And that could uh, paralyze the levator muscle. You know, that's the muscle that actually elevates your, eye, your yeah. eyelid. And, um, you know, can cause um, completely a totic lid, a to- you know, a lid that's closed. Okay. So those are potential complications, but like I said, they're not permanent. So by the time such uh, instances are reported to the HPCSA and the HPCSA takes action, those side effects are gone. All right. So okay. So so, so a, at worst, you know, you could have these. You could look horrible for three to four months. You could. Um, but bruising. But it, but after three to four months, it's not a, it's not permanent damage. It's no. not like surgery if, if someone cuts all. something incorrectly. And, mm. Absolutely not at all. And I mean, the minor side effects, bruising, could yeah. be another side effect. With that's just a few days and and swelling, a little bit of swelling. But okay. other than that, you know, Botox is perfectly safe to use, and that's why you know um, the uh, American um, Plastic Surgery, the the journal uh, ASPS. I'll send you the link to that. Uh, published data to say a few years ago, their plastic surgeons, eighty percent of the work was surgery. Uh, okay. 15 years later, uh, 80% of the work is now non-surgical. Because it's non-invasive and, and obviously less can go wrong. And people don't want the risk of surgery, the anesthetic, the cost factor, the 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 risk that they may have a result that they don't and, like. And, and the pain, because I, I mean, maybe that's something important to talk about, which is, uh, is Botox very painful? Not at all. Not at all. The needles that I use, um, you know, you're a doctor. If I tell you a 32, 33 gauge needle. Yeah, so it's, it's tiny. You can barely see it very, with your eye. Very, very fine needle. So yeah. It's, it's a sharp little, it's not even a bee sting. I wouldn't even compare it to that. Yeah. So so essentially, I mean, anyone who's terrified of this is, is really no reason. It's, it's very, very, yes. uh, it's like a small prick. We barely feel it, actually. Yes. Very much um, so. I mean, uh, that also comes down to experience. You know, yes, the practitioner yes. will And, and you know what? You. For, for people who are like seriously have a low pain threshold, you know, there are anesthetic creams available that uh, they can so apply. An Emla type cream yes, or something very like much that. so. Emla, there's anything that has an occlusive dressing that you can apply 10 minutes. I know with Emla you need to wait for a good 40, 30 hour, to 45 minutes, but the other cream is 10, 15 minutes, and you have a good result. On on that note, I must tell you, for needle-phobic people, uh, uh, I think it's in the stage stage three studies uh, trials at the FDA, yeah. uh, where we're having topical Botox, specifically okay. for crows to treat crow's feet. Sure. That's being developed. So uh, that um, can you imagine that'll be a huge seller for the drug company a, that makes definitely, it. Definitely, definitely. It Okay, so, I mean, that's that's the Botox side, and uh, that's, you know, quite a common thing that people get done. Um, the stigma around that, I mean, I, I, as a joke, I uh, 
I sent uh, uh, you know Helen Zilla a message earlier today on Twitter. Um, and <laughs> some people were giving me some stick over it, but I think she's got a sense of humour. And uh, yes, I mean, she she undoubtedly ha- she hasn't yet. Uh, I'll probably be ignored, but um, which is fine. But uh, I I don't think it would be something that would upset her because there's no doubt she did have Botox. Um, and you know, is is it why is it sometimes felt that this is something to be uh, sort of hiding from? You, you know what? It's difficult to say what what she's had done. Helen could have had surgery done. Yeah. And and when we saw her, she was still in the recovery phase of surgery. Okay. She could have had fillers done. She could have had a laser treatment done. So, it, you know, it's difficult. now she looks pretty good, I think. Now. I think she looks amazing for, no, for a woman of her age. I don't yes. mean that in a nasty way at all, but I, I think she looks really good. Yes. But a few years ago, she didn't. I think that's when all the, you know, people started taking note of, you know, a note of her face, like what's happening. Yeah. But I think, uh, you know, it. it we could only guess as to what she what she's had done. Yeah. Uh, but I think because Botox has been in the media for such a long time, it's very quick to say that's Botox gone wrong, you know. Yeah. And that's what that's how you look. But uh, I don't think it was. I don't think Botox per se on its own could create, you know, have created a look like that, the one that she had a few years ago. Okay, got you. So I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's no. Uh, Nothing really to to sort of fear about Botox, no. and, and I think it's is it becoming sort of more acceptable now where people are open about it? Absolutely, and I think it's got it's the large part is the media that's driving this. Uh, you know, uh, so we we seeing more people in the spotlight who are coming out and saying, yes, I've had a bit of Botox done, I've had some fillers done, and uh, that's sort of you know driving this uh, awareness about the product. Yeah. Also, I, I think. More women, I'm sure men as well, but women who are much younger now. I mean, if I compare my clinic to five years ago, I'm seeing more younger women who are coming in now more to have Botox done as a preventative measure. Oh. You know, so it's like my mom has a very deep brown. I really don't want that. You okay. know, could I stop that? So you could, it can be used as, as a prevention, basically, oh, because because I'm, you keep frowning your brow, essentially, yes. you will develop that line. But yes. if we if we basically relax that muscle, then you won't. Absolutely. So so that's, you can see the change. And I mean, many of these glossies as well, uh, you know, Cosmopolitan, Marie Claire, Women in Home, almost every other month there's an article on Botox or filler or some sort of anti-aging, you know, latest yeah, technique or procedure. Yeah. So people are more educated and that's why they're not as scared as they were maybe five or ten years ago. Okay. Um, all right. So what I want to do now is we're going to take a short break and when we come back, uh, we'll just take a question that we've got and, and also discuss the fillers side and, and, and some of the other aesthetic medicine towards the end of the show. Okay. Thanks, Sue. Okay, John. Like the legend of the phoenix ends with beginnings what keeps the planet spinning ah uh, the force from the beginning
lucky. We're up all night to get 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 lucky. We're up all night again. 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 sort of 10 minutes of the show, uh, chatting to Dr. Anushka Reddy, who uh, is uh, everything aesthetic medicine. Right, uh, so Anushka, we've sort of spoken about Botox. Just uh, a question from uh, one of the listeners. Yeah. wants to know, so two sides to their question. I think the one side, uh, quick answer, which is they want to know if they can use it to lift their bum and make it more plump. Um, so I, I, I'm guessing the answer is no, but I'll let you have a stab at it. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I, no, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, if anything, it might make your bum sag a bit more. It'll definitely make your bum sag more. Yeah. Because that's what it does. It relaxes muscles. Yeah. Okay. So, but then the the the, the relevant, uh, the really good part of their question is 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 it expensive? Uh, but not at all. Uh, Botox would cost anything uh, between fifty five rand to seventy rand per unit. So. Let me translate that into an area. Okay. So for example, the forehead line, those are the horizontal forehead lines. Mm-hmm. You would pay anything between 550 rand to 700 rand to have that treated. So, okay. uh, and, and the variation in price depends on the doctor you go to. Uh, I think the more experienced the doctor, the more expensive it would be. Okay. So, um, you know, if you look at treating the frown between your eyebrows, expect to pay between 1500 to 1700 for that area. Okay, and that's uh, that's that's a treatment that'll last you about three months. Three to four months is is more, is more or less when you you know um, got to aim. I've got something interesting to tell you though. A study that was published a few years ago uh, showed that patients who had uh, Botox every three to four months for two consecutive years, uh, when they had the Botox done in the third and fourth year thereafter, the Botox lasted for six months. Oh, okay. All right. Yes. So if you keep at it, it, uh, yes. it sort of gets more effective. Absolutely. Okay. So moving on from Botox a bit, uh, let's talk about fillers. Right. So fillers are definitely also one of, you know, at my practice, I, I actually do more fillers than Botox. Mm. Um, and uh, that's very interesting in the South African context because uh, in South Africa, more doc- doctors do more Botox than fillers. Yeah. I like fillers because I feel you can achieve so much more with it, you know? I mean, Botox has its place for sure. But with fillers, uh, when I say so much more, I mean you can sort of um, actually not, you know, the need to have surgery is minimized when you start introducing fillers to the face because you're restoring volume when you start using fillers. Uh, However, with fillers, though, the complications are much more severe and permanent as mm. compared to Botox. So what are, what are fillers made out of? So uh, currently in South Africa, the 
the, the fill is made by Allegan and Galderma, made of hyaluronic acid. So hyaluronic acid is a natural component that's found in the body. Mm. You know, um, and all they've done is in the lab situation, they've harvested it. It's just long chains of sugars, basically. Okay. And uh, and all and that that makes up the hyaluronic acid. And injecting hyaluronic acid that's been lost from the skin, thereby okay. restoring volume and you know um, right. filling up lines and wrinkles. Okay, so in terms of uh, in terms of how you do it, similar process to Botox. Very similar. So basically, these syringes are pre-filled. Yeah. With the, uh, you know uh, with the hyaluronic acid, and uh, it, you know after discussion consultation with the patient, if once it's decided, for example, if they wish to have their lips done, yeah. Then a, the, usually a little bit of numbing cream is applied to the lips, and then the area is injected. And with fillers specifically, it's not you know it's, it's more an art. Yeah. Than a science. Well, I was just going to ask. I mean, you've you've kind of got to know what you want it to look like because. Yes. Because you could get like these sort of lumpy bits. Very much so. So you need so it's a little more complicated than Botox. You know, you need to understand the thickness of the filler, and that will determine the depth and in which you inject the filler. Uh, also, you need to, especially with fillers, need to understand the anatomy of the face very, very intimately. Because injecting a filler into a blood vessel, for example, can cause occlusion. And uh, in severe instances, you can actually, and I, you know, I'm not to scare people, but I mean, mm. we're seeing more and more studies being published on this. Yeah. You, you can actually have retrograde uh, um, emboli to the central retinal artery causing blindness. So yeah. th- those are serious complications and they're permanent complications. So okay. especially when it comes to, you know, filling the face, uh, when, you, when you look at filling the nose, when you look at filling the cheeks, you need to be very careful and cautious about the doctor you go to. So, I mean, back to the going to the right person with yes. the right training. Absolutely. Preferably registered, you know, with, with some sort of body yes. that, that, that oversees this very kind of much stuff. So. And, you know, t- just talking about that, you know, the doctors who also, like, we, we're seeing a growing number of doctors visiting beauty salons. You know, so besides the Botox parties at homes, the beauty salon is a complete no-no. Um, you know, doctors visit beauty salons, they visit yeah. hairdressers, I'm told. There's even a doctor in my area who visits a, a brow bar. I mean, it, it, <laughs> you know, it brings the, okay, so you know, the profession into disrepute. Ab- absolutely, and that was, that was the sort of incorrect impression I had of it in terms of, uh, you know, these this this kind of thing yes, being... Uh, yes. and, and, you know, I... I I can only assume you'll give the doctors the benefit of the doubt that they didn't, they don't know that they're not supposed to do that. Yeah. You know that uh, the, that Botox cannot be administered in a beauty salon. Yeah, but, but if you're getting your your sort of Botox, your filler in a beauty salon or a hairdresser, you know something's wrong. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you'd expect your consumer alarm bells to start ringing that that just doesn't look right. You know. You're but, right. uh, it's a medical procedure. At the end of the day, you've got to go to a doctor to get a medical procedure. Yeah. That should be in doctor's rooms of sorts. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, I'm sure most a lot of the aesthetic doctors have very nice doctor's rooms. Yes. Um, but uh, certainly it still has to be doctor's rooms where sterility and certain other oh, things are absolutely, followed. absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there's, you know, like if, if you do develop a complication, for example, if you do occlude a blood vessel with hyaluronic acid and, and you know what the signs are of you know, uh, occlusion, you know, you can see tissue necrosis, you know, you alarm bell surgery, you've got your backup kit, you've got your emergency kit. Yeah. Right on hand. Things, you and know? you can to fix it right then and there. Absolutely. If you're carrying a toolbox and if you've forgotten to pack the hyaluronic days, yeah. you know. Which breaks down the hyaluronic acid absolutely. if you put it into a, a blood vessel as an example. It, it breaks it down immediately. Okay. And then you avoid those side and effects. And then you avoid those complications. Okay. And then, uh, I mean, uh, I'd, I'm not uh, too au fait with all of the aesthetics. Uh, there's peels as well? Yes. So chemical peels are, you know, fairly straightforward and easy to do. For uh, when, I, when, I'm, when I speak about superficial and your medium depth peels, yep. your, your deep peels, obviously, that's more for your surgeon, and that's usually done under anesthetic. Okay. And because, you know, your deep peels have more complications, so we'd yep. rather leave that to the specialist. All right. I mean, with the peels, what are, what's the actual process? Are you are you burning off the skin? No, or you... no, not at all. So you know, some peels don't cause any peeling. So what they will mainly be used for is to resurface the skin. So if you have a rough texture, you have a little bit of sun damage, freckles. You know. So it's like a moisturizer on steroids. Yeah, there we go. But right, not with steroids, obviously. Yeah, not steroids. <laughs> so so the the uh, um, chemical is painted onto the skin. Yeah. It's neutralized. 
a little bit of moisturizer is slapped on and off you go. Some patients may peel, depending, like I said, on the depth of the peel. Yep. Others may have absolutely, you know, no reaction to it. But they will notice a difference in their skin texture. So that's what we're mainly using peels for, to resurface the skin. All right. And, and cost, uh, when we talk uh, both fillers and the peels, um, compared to sort of Botox? But, but, I would say that fillers are probably your most expensive aesthetic uh, treatment. Uh, you could pay anything between two and a half thousand to four thousand rand for a syringe of hyaluronic acid. Okay. Um, and will a syringe do your top lip? It can. Okay. It can do. I mean, it can do your full lip. Okay. Uh, it can. But I mean, you know, sometimes these the costs can run away with you. Yeah. You know, so if you're doing your, if you want to try to do your whole face, you know, you could end up with a twenty thousand rand bill. Very much so. Okay. All right. Good. And the peels. And peels, again, anything from about, say, 500 rand to 6,000 rand, okay. depending, again, on the peel that's being done. All right. So, so it, does, it does obviously range. Yes. Is there anything we've kind of left out? I mean, obviously, an hour, we could probably talk for, for many more on, on aesthetics, and, you know, it, it yes. is obviously broad. Yeah. You know, uh, I, no, I think we've based, and lasers, you know, more, more and more doctors are offering lasers at their clinics. Okay. Uh, but again, with lasers, I think there's more complications, especially with uh, in people uh, with, with skin of color. Yeah. And then uh, the pigment uh, being, a, being an issue. Absolutely. So you may go in to remove an acne scar, you yeah. know, with a laser, and you may come out then with pigmentation. So you may replace okay. one problem with the with other. Another so problem. Again, be very cautious. You know, I think lasers in the right hands, and and the right hands would be dermatologists. Yeah. You know. Uh, or I think aesthetic doctors who have who have extensive training with the machine. Okay. You know. All right. So so lasers are really sort of a last sort of thing, and make sure you got someone really experienced if, yes. if you're going down that route. And and understand there can, can be quite significant complications there. Yes, yeah, definitely. And lasers are also quite an expensive, you know, uh, procedure to have done. With lasers, you can pay anything from four thousand to thirty thousand for wow. one laser treatment. Okay. Yes. And you might need several. And you. Well, you may need you would with the you know if it's a thirty thousand and laser treatment it's unlikely probably one will do, but the treatments that are priced at around you know a few thousand you probably will need a cause of that. Okay, all right. Well, we've run out of time unfortunately, but oh, okay, not a problem. <laughs> but thank you, thank you so much for for coming on. Um, if people want to find out more and get hold of you, uh, yeah, contact details. They, uh, look, my Twitter handle it's at doctor. Are you ready? Yeah. So you can definitely tweet me. Um, my website is um, in uh, www.mediscult.co.za. Okay. And, uh, and I've also got a Facebook page, Medisculpt, so they can just post whatever. Okay, great. And they can, they can come along there and, and get into contact yeah. with you and find out how to come find you. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for coming on the show and, and, yeah. and enlightening us a bit more about aesthetic medicine. Good, good, good. I'm glad I could change uh, your mind, and I'm glad it was a it was a lovely conversation. Thanks a lot. We'll chat to you. I'm sure we'll chat to you sometime in the future again. Okay, brilliant stuff. Thanks so much, Brett. Cheers, eh? Bye. Right, that's uh, the end of the health hour for uh, this Wednesday. Uh, next week uh, we're going to be talking pediatrics. So if you've got any sniffly children uh, or not so sniffly children, give us a call. Uh, thanks for listening in, and I'll see you next week.